We are continuing our study of Hebrews chapter 7, and we welcome you to our study here on the Radio Bible Course. In verse 11 of Hebrews chapter 7, the author has been expressing the imperfection of the Levitical priesthood, and logically argues that there ought to be, and there has been appointed, another priestly order, after the order of Melchizedek. In yesterday's program, we pointed out that it is not Jesus' teachings that are ever said to make a sinner right with God. There was a Levitical priesthood established in the Old Testament to deal with sin, and there must be a priest today who can deal with sin. Well, we have a priest, and that's what this chapter is about. He is Jesus Christ, an eternal priest, because God had sworn in Psalm 110, verse 4, when David wrote, The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. So his sacrificial death is what solved the sin problem. Sin had to have a satisfactory payment according to God's law. Now there are people who place the greatest of value on living by the Sermon on the Mount. And, of course, that's Scripture. And that's important, because Jesus taught it. But what we need to consider is, how does conformity to the Sermon on the Mount solve the problems caused by sin? How does meekness, for example, pay the penalty of sin? How does the statement in the famous prayer, Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us, give us a solution to the sin problem? Will an offended God be satisfied by my forgiveness of someone else's sin? No, he cannot, because sin remains as a barrier, and there is a law that says the soul that sins must die. Only the crosswork of Christ can remove sin. He's the only priest who can help you, and I hope you're depending upon what he has accomplished. He made an eternal sacrifice, and never again does God ask that men make a sacrifice in dealing with sin. Have you ever noticed in reading your New Testament that none of the apostles ever told men that they should live by the golden rule in order to get to heaven? Never did they preach the Sermon on the Mount as a means of salvation. Never did Paul, John, or Peter tell men to pray the Lord's Prayer to get forgiveness of their sins. Why not? Forgiveness cannot be obtained by asking. Sin requires a sacrifice, and that sacrifice was made 1950 years ago, and God is waiting for you to believe it. God is satisfied with the payment of Christ's life. Are you? You are if you trust in it alone and depend upon nothing else. Now, Peter and Paul both taught that when men believe in this Christ who sacrificed himself, he being the high priest after the order of Melchizedek, then men would receive forgiveness of sins. In other words, if you want to be forgiven of your sins, believe in Christ. 
Peter said, Whoever believes in him shall receive remission of sins. Now, if Aaron's priesthood could bring perfection by adequately dealing with sin, then Christ need not have been a priest. The religion of Judaism would have been enough. Likewise, if good deeds could make you acceptable to God, why was the crucifixion of Jesus necessary? If rituals and sacraments could bring you to God, why did the apostles preach the cross? Well, they did it because nothing except the crucifixion of Jesus Christ would save men from their sins. In verse 11, the writer tells us that if perfection had been attainable through the Levitical priesthood, then there wouldn't have been a need for another priest after the order of Melchizedek. The very fact that the priest of the Old Testament had his work cut out for him and it was never-ending is an indication that no perfection could come from it. The priest work never ceased. There were no seats in the tabernacle for there were continual sacrifices for sin. No priest could ever declare that he had dealt with sin once for all time. Why, tens of thousands of bulls and goats sacrificed on Jewish altars did not make men righteous. You see, there was a weakness to that priesthood. The sacrifices which were daily made by those priests had no future benefit and only covered yesterday's transgressions. Now, in verses 11 and 12, the author reasons something significant. There's an important fact here which should not be missed, and that is, who changed the priesthood? Now, we see in verse 11 that another priest has arisen after the order of Melchizedek rather than after the order of Aaron. And when there is a change in the priesthood, there is necessarily a change in the law as well. Well, since the priesthood was according to the law and the priesthood was changed, what does that say about the law? It too has been changed. And if there is a new law, something must have happened to the old one. Now, we should not miss this fact. Who changed the priesthood? It was not rebellious Jews. It was God. He changed his holy law? Well, doesn't that suggest that God has a certain instability or that the law was not perfect and holy? Well, it might, if we did not possess revelation from God to the contrary. The Bible tells us that the weakness of the flesh was the problem, not the law. That the law was holy and it was good. You'll read that in Romans chapter 8. And it also declares that God never intended the law to be more than a temporary provision which would be terminated when a new covenant would be mediated by this new priest who came after the order of Melchizedek. And that, of course, is Jesus Christ. Now listen to the inspired word of the Spirit 
through the Apostle Paul. Why then the law? It was given because of transgressions until the seed should come. Notice it's temporary. Well, God has changed the priesthood, and he of necessity had to change the law that deals with the priesthood. When the Persians conquered the Babylonians in 539 B.C., the laws of Babylon were annulled. The will of the Persian king became the law. A new administration changed that law of Babylon. Now, Christians have not gotten the divine message. They are insisting on retaining the old law. Well, we have a new one. But people won't let God change his own law. One reason for this is the fact that we've all been reared on the merit system of the law of Moses, and continually we hear from religious leaders the preaching of the law instead of grace. Or sometimes they pervert grace and the law by blending the two, and the result of that is total confusion, and this describes religion in America today. Now, let's try to understand what the author of this Hebrew epistle is saying in verses 11-12. He's telling us that since God established a new priesthood, the law had to be changed. Now, the word change here in Greek means to replace something. So when God replaced the Aaronic priesthood with an eternal priesthood, the law which set Fourth, the qualifications and the duties of the priest, of course, could no longer be effective. Christ could not have qualified under that law of Moses. And if you want the law, you have to get rid of Christ, because he doesn't fit. He is from the wrong tribe. This law change is what the author is emphasizing, and he is telling the Hebrews that God has changed the Hebrew religion. Another way of saying it is that Christians are not Jews. And just as God replaced the priesthood, so he replaced the law of the Jews. God ended Judaism. And if you don't agree, then you are saying that Christ's priesthood and law of love should be added to the religion of the Jews. But the author of Hebrews said that God replaced the law of the Jews. Now, some of our listeners are probably asking the question, you mean that Christians shouldn't live by the law of Moses? Aren't we under the law? Well, let Paul answer that. And this is the inspired word here in Galatians chapter 3. Paul, first of all, said in verse 21, that if a law had been given which was able to impart life, then righteousness would indeed have been based on the law. And then in verse 23, it is written, But before the faith came, that is, the Christian faith, we Jews were held in custody under the law, being shut up to the faith which was later to be revealed. Therefore, the law has become our tutor until Christ, that we may be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. 
for you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Now the law is the tutor. It was intended to control men, control Israel that is, until the time of Christ. But now that Christ has come, we are no longer under that tutorship of the law. Now that's pretty plain. And this is the inspired word. And the writer of Hebrews is going to reinforce this in the following chapters to show that the law has ended. It has been rendered obsolete. I didn't change it, nor did anyone else. No system of theology changed it. It was God who changed it, and he has so declared it. He first announced that the law was temporary, and then he announced that it is obsolete, and that believers are not under the law. The priesthood has changed, so has the law. And in tomorrow's program, we will learn that the tribe also has changed. If you have been blessed by these Bible teaching broadcasts, won't you write and tell us about it? We also invite you to consider becoming a partner with your gifts. Your support of a program that teaches the Word of God makes it your ministry to the people in your listening area. All gifts are used for ministry expenses. None is used for salaries or benefits to anyone. That's because... Radio Bible Course is a ministry of volunteers. Until tomorrow, this is Nick Calavota reminding you that the word gospel means good news. Our address is Radio Bible Courses, Post Office Box 14916, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, 70898. The website is rbcword.com.